Welcome back to the Infertility Feelings Podcast, your place to process, cry, and laugh about infertility. We are so happy to have you here, and we really hope you enjoy today's conversation. Welcome everyone to the Infertility Feelings Podcast. We are coming to you live from our office, and there's a street fair being set up downstairs. I thought we'd start today by asking Jesse, what are your opinions on street fairs? I don't love street fairs because street fairs equate it with summer and summer is hot and it always seems to land on like the hottest day of the year. Because this weekend in California, when this street fair is happening, it's 101 degrees. Yeah. It, every year without like, fail. I mean this like. I'm like scared someone's going to die. <laughs> like there is so much booze <laughs> at this street fair. If they don't hydrate. It's going to be bad. It's not going to be good for them. It's going to be bad. And there's always like a million grills going on. So that makes it even hotter. Even hotter. And like people seem like just really hot. There's no shade. Zero shade. I'm looking at it. There's no shade. On paper, I'm a big street fair guy. Like there's everything I would like. I I think in your mind. I like bratwurst, beer. Like that just sounds great. But then you get there and it is quite literally 90 degrees in the shade. Yes. The humidity is not just humidity anymore. It's bratwurst humidity. Yeah. (laughs) So there's like meat. Is there anything You're worse? breathing in meat. Right. And it's just, oh God. It like, I don't know, it makes you dizzy just even thinking about it. Oh gosh. I like stay a hundred miles away now. Like I hope they bring sunscreen. Like people need to like oh, take no. care of You're themselves. You're officially old. I you am. You hope that the street fair people bring sunscreen. I hope. I hope. And that girl that just thinks that like five beers at noon is a good idea. Like, <laughs> no, just drink some water first. Okay. You can do it. Oh. Hydrate. Well, in the midst of the street fair, in the midst of this 90 degree heat, we are back, baby. We are back. We've been off for a while. Not off like me and you being off. Well, you know, it would be okay if we were off, but (laughs) we are back. We have amazing episodes lined up for the entire fall. Yes, we got them stacked. Yes. And we have a a brand new Infertility Feelings website you should check out. Yeah, Every episode is loaded up on that website. It's really cool. You can check it out. There is information for each episode and there's a transcript of every episode in case you wanted to copy and paste all of our thoughts uh, into your phone and read them every day. That would, like, be, uh, would be acceptable. Print off our like funniest moments or like deepest moments. And, and frame like, them. Frame That's them what and you put them in say, your wall. Right? Yep. Put them I, on your wall in I your house. I think that makes sense. Perfect. And then our next two podcasts, I'm like, I can't even express to you how excited I am I about this next one. It's exciting. This one too. But our next one is infertility and the Enneagram. And Oof. I, I don't even care if me, if I'm the only one that listens to it, <laughs> I will be speaking it and listening to it. I just love the Enneagram and I feel like it's really helpful. And I feel like with infertility and things that come up and hard things that come up, it can definitely give us a little bit of peace, you know, knowing, oh, this is like hitting me differently than someone else. And in a partnership, I feel like it's really helpful. So I'm obsessed and I'm basically making Doug do it. You're going to have to explain to us next time a little bit about what do you, what is the Enneagram? We need to know. I know. Oh, don't worry. And we're bringing an Enneagram expert. Oh my God. Her name is Lisa and we are going to talk to her all about it. So when I just go like jib jab off, she can be like, actually... This is what it is. She Jessie. can correct all of our wrong thoughts yes. on the Enneagram. Yes. And then after that, we have Dr. Andrea Ganahl coming back and we're doing infertility and depression. 
Yes. Which I've been I, wanting to do that episode. And so is Annie. It was actually Annie's idea after air one time when we reported a, recorded a podcast with her. She said, I think infertility and depression would be a really good idea. Yes. So we're going to do that. Today, though, we have something very exciting to tell you before we even get to today's episode. I know one more thing is that we have four new groups open right yes, now for right now. the fall. If you're listening to this way in the future, right now, it's like it's almost September. I or it's September things- 1st. Today, right now, it's September 1st in 20, 2022. 22. And we have, in October, four process groups that are open. The spots are getting full. If you've ever wanted to be part of one of these groups, now would be the time to do it. If you feel like I could use some more resilience, I could use a community of people to get this stuff off my chest and just feel a little bit better throughout this whole thing, sign up for a group. Check it out on our website. We'll explain all about it. Um, We really think it is the number one thing that you can do to feel better throughout this infertility journey is join a group of people. Talk about how you're feeling. Learn these skills that help us feel more resilient. It's it's great. It's I, everyone who's in one of these groups talks about how much it has helped them feel better throughout this process. So if you're in, if you're thinking about it at all, or if you've heard us talk about it, um, check it out. And even more exciting, the group that you would join has all brand new content that we just filmed. And recorded. We turn the volume up. Actually, <laughs> it's the it's same. M- it's the same four things that we always cover, yes. but we covered them in a really uh, creative, better and way. And if you've been in one of our groups before, don't worry, you're getting the content too. It's fine. <laughs> don't even cry about it. I am so proud of this new content. I like, I cannot believe some of the things that we did in this, we did in one take. Like, I'm still like blown away. Like how well, and how I just feel like it's so like, I can tell that, does this sound weird? Like I can tell that like we are so passionate about this and so passionate about helping the infertility community. Is that what you're to say about yourself? To watch yourself? It's like, I can tell that she cares, <laughs> but it's true. And it's really great. And what's also special about these groups is it's our last groups of the year, 2022. Yeah. So if you've been saying to yourself every single time you see these groups pop up, I'm going to do it this year, but I'm not ready. Yep. It's also okay if you're not ready. But if you're like, I'm going to do it, but I'm a little scared. But if 2022 was your year to do it, now's the time. Yeah. Because if, uh, you know, the holidays are coming up rapidly approaching, if you feel like you would benefit from a community of people throughout that time and kind of be able to process some of what you've been through and feel a little bit better. Yep. I think you should do it. The next time you'll be able to sign up is January. So I would do it. I would do it now if you're, if you're thinking about it. And there's a 10 a.m. option. Yeah. We also have some more, uh, more times. So Tuesday, Tuesday and Wednesday, all throughout those days, check it out. Yep. But today we are going to look back at our journey, Jesse. Finally. Finally, we get to talk about ourselves. <laughs> Just joking. Just love to do it. Always talk about ourselves. When you think about our story, we have been in the infertility world. We have been growing our family for almost like a decade. 10 years. Can you think about that? That's crazy. I know. It is crazy. 10 years. So what we're wanting to do is um, tell you our thoughts about all of this. Now being on the other side, like being on the other side, basically having a toe, not everything, but basically have a toe and a lot of what this world is from treatment to trying to foster care to, I know there's a million other things, but like we pretty much have had a toe in all of it. A lot of things. yeah. And it's like when we step back and now, you know, our, our time in growing our family ended, you know, January 27, 22. Um, when we adopted our last child, 
that's when it ended for me. That um, it was like, at that moment, the gavel hit the yes, thing. Yes, it literally over. was. It was like, it's done. I never want to do this again. And it's like, we've been processing a lot. This yeah. past year, we've been processing what was that like for us? What is our takeaways? Yeah. What is, um, when when people say like infertility never leaves you, like what does that mean? Like, right. and how does that play out in our lives? Yeah. So, I th- And I think we don't really get to hear a lot of stories from that perspective. A lot of times yeah. when someone shares what they're going through in infertility, it's to, in ad- it. it's to advocate. Yeah, it's to they're add. In it. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're going to say? Yes. I'll just say it for you. Think. It's to advocate and to raise awareness about what they're going through. So they tell the story that they're in. Which is magical and amazing and everyone needs to do it. Everyone Props. needs to listen to those stories because right. it does advocate. It does give us insight. Right. But uh, rarely do we hear someone's story who's 10 years out, you know, right. and has a lot of the things kind of resolved and they're they're moving maybe on to whatever that chapter is next. Right. Um, we don't normally get to hear a lot from those people. Right. And I, I think it's important because the opinions about all of it change as you go through it. Yes. And, and some of the insights even that we have, I think are interesting. And yeah. it's important to listen to people who have really have time after they've experienced infertility. Cause it's, it's, we always talk about how infertility affects you can affect you for a long time. Right. Well, it's, we need to hear those stories about people who've gone through infertility almost a long time ago and what their experience is like. Right. So that's what we're going to do today. There you go. In an effort to do that. We need to go back. We got to go back. We got to go way back. I was born in orange, California, <laughs> April 12th. Whoa. Too far, but we went too far back. <laughs> So to do this, I'm going to go through our infertility story. Facts only. Facts only. Jesse's least favorite thing. It's going to take a couple minutes. I hope that if you're listening to this podcast, you go back or have listened to all of our feelings when it comes to all these events. (laughs) I hope that you know that Doug is just sharing the details. We have lots of feelings about this. And they are covered all throughout our entire podcast. Right. But the specific feelings we're trying to capture today on the Infertility is Feelings podcast. really about insight and where we sit now. It's about where we sit now, looking back on this right. these younger versions of ourselves entering into this world. Those are the feelings that we're trying to capture. Right. It's pain. This is paining me. It's, it does. Jesse's in but pain. You can see in it in her face. I am in pain. It's fine. <laughs> Just go. Okay. We kicked off our fertility journey in the romantic relaxing, easy going margaritas, pools, beach, relaxing. A little city we like to call New York City. New York City. Literally, probably one of the least like places you could go to try to start to have children because you're literally exhausted every single day. The last day of the trip, I didn't go out. Because I was so tired. <laughs> you yeah. missed it. That was a great day. I know it was. You tell me all the time. <laughs> but uh, I think our infertility story is marked, like many people's infertility story. Classic. It's classic. Uh, yeah. By seasons of ignorance, seasons of uh, exhaustion, 
and confusion. It really, in the beginning, started with just ignorance. We didn't know what we were doing. We're, we just thought we'd go to New York City and get pregnant, I'm right? like laughing now, sit, thinking back, like, was that even in our fertile window? Yeah, exactly. Like, we have no, we had no idea what we were doing. Exactly. No idea. So really, the first half a year was all about not knowing what we were doing and mm-hmm. trying and trying to figure stuff out. I would say the second half of that first year that we were trying started to enter us into a season of frustration and confusion and a little bit of anger and sadness mm-hmm. where we now knew what we were doing. We were tracking things. We were doing things right. We were hitting the right time and all the that. markers. And mm-hmm. failures. We started to get a lot of bit of uh, failure into our life where we felt like every month, was a failure. Every month we didn't do it. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. It didn't work and it worked, which led us to reaching out to fertility doctors. Once we reached out to fertility doctors, it was a interesting season because it's like many people talk about. It's uh, depressing because like, holy crap, how are we here? How is this what we're doing? Also kind of exciting because it's like, okay, great. We've brought in ourselves to the people who can fix us. Can fix us. <laughs> They're Lord. They are God. Right. Not really. But yes, it's like they're the answer. Yeah. And it's so funny now looking back towards that part specifically is now hearing so many fertility stories. We really had like that was kind of like a bleak time. Like you had a diagnosis of low motility, low mobility and low sperm count and low sperm count. I got low ovarian. Got like I caught it. I um, was diagnosed with diminished ovarian reserve, which back yeah. then was called low ovarian reserve. Right. And it's like the doctor, we, we didn't get a lot of like, yeah. we're going to get you pregnant or this is going to work for you guys, which yeah. is not right to even say anyway, anyway. But totally. hearing so many stories, that was not our experience. No. Our, our experience was like, this is, you could give this a try. I literally felt like the doctor said in doctor words, like you could do an IUI. That's cute. Like yeah. I literally felt like it's like even that was though, our honestly even IVF was like that they, exactly very low uh, percentages right and it was always wrapped in this language of you could definitely do this right I don't know how well it's going to work um, and then right. you know even when when both of them didn't work and we came back to the doctor they weren't like you know what? We learned a lot. We're going to calculate this and we're going to tweak things. And next time we're going to have different results. They were like, that was pretty much as good as it's going to get. He said, you can expect the same or less results, like not as good results. That was right. So it hit really hard. Yeah. Um, so the, if the beginning of our fertility journey is about almost ignorance and figuring out it all, figuring it all out, I would say the middle part where we're in treatment and we're really going through these really very expensive treatments was, was overwhelmingly bleak. I would say that. Yeah. And not, a blur. Not, it's the most part of our, I think it's the, the part of our story that I'm the most blurry on. Yeah. Cause a lot of it was going really fast, yep. really, really, really fast. So I, I don't, I don't have a lot of memories. I have a couple of like traumatic memories of like, you know, thinking that we had five embryos and then the morning I get there, we only have one that made it through, not right. even realizing that that was an option to be, right. to happen. Um, I have a memory of a doctor telling me that I need the most drugs out of everybody. Like I need a lot of drugs. Like a like ton of drugs. Yeah. yeah, I needed all a ton drugs. of drugs. Like all the drugs. He said all the drugs. So it's just like, yeah, I, I feel very, it feels blurry to me that yeah. season. Yeah. 
Not a lot in my life is blurry. Slightly overwhelming, maybe. (laughs) Also, I was a mess, so emotional mess. So that could be a part of it. And I was on drugs too. So it's like I just I that is it is of every single part of our story that is the most blurry. Yeah. Well, if in the beginning it was overwhelming and felt confusing, and then the middle when we're doing treatment it felt blurry and fast and yeah bleak. We thought, you know what? We're going to figure this out. We're going to go to the easy breezy. I'm going to go where I have more control. More control world of adoption and foster care. Wrong. (laughs) We, we, uh, but again, you know what? It's like a, it's like a cycle. We were ignorant and didn't know what we're doing and then kind of got to this place of like, wow, this is really difficult. Right. Switching over into adoption and foster care it's not like an extension of the fertility world. It, you know, it's yeah. not like the the adoption awesome. center is a part of the fertility clinic, right? Right. It's not like, oh, well, this didn't work. But, you know, there's a bunch of children in the adoption like center. Go right. pick up one of those. That's not how it works. They're different right. worlds. Right. So entering into the adoption and foster world, we then were plummeted back into that season of ignorance and confusion of what is this? How does this work? What's going on? I, I thought I had no control in the infertility world. I at least could decide what side of my body I want to do a shot on. Yeah. You know, like there was a little bit of control, even though most of it I felt out of control. Yeah. But it's like with adoption, I just feel like it is, and foster care, it's just very, very, very minimal to none control. Right. And that's why I think we talk a lot about adoption and foster care. When we do talk about it, we yeah. we say- fundamentally, it's not about you. It's about yes. the person who's being adopted. It's really yes. their story. You're a part of it. Yeah. Um. So it's not like- That sounds a little strong. Like I like hate adoption or like, what, like watch out for the bus that you're about to walk in front of. I'm just saying, if you go into it thinking that it will be more of a control or it will be something that you can control. Yeah. It's just very, it's minimal control. That was a surprise to me. That's what, right. that's what I'm saying. So right. yeah. I love adoption. I love foster care. Like I love it, but it's just, I think I went into it. Honestly, one of the reasons was, oh good, I'll have more control. And right. I just had less control. Yeah, exactly. And we very quickly learned that, right? We yeah. did one private adoption and we've done one adoption through foster care. Yes. They're totally different. A thousand foster, percent. You know, you, Even their personalities yeah. are a thousand yeah, percent the, different. The people are different. Mm-hmm. The procedures are different and the whole worlds are different, right? Mm-hmm. It almost feels like foster care is not even the same thing as adoption. Yeah. You know, they're they're yeah. almost different worlds. Right. Uh, but all throughout those years, really, really, we became our family grew. I'll say that. Yeah. And we now have a daughter and a son through mm-hmm. that adopted. Um, but in between, in between, do not forget the details. Right. We also had two disrupted adoptions and we had a foster plan placement of a baby for three days. So that is yeah. trickled in there too of our story, which was honestly probably one of the hardest, most devastating things to experience probably for me in this whole entire journey. Yeah. Was that. Yeah. So when you look back on all of that, you think about what we've been through. We've been through just trying. Mm -hmm. We've been through months of just the darkness of what's going on. Mm -hmm. We've gone through IUIs, one IUI, one IVF cycle. Um, We've gone through the disappointment, the excitement. We've gone through adoption, private adoption. We've gone through long, drawn out court procedure 
you know, adoption stuff. Both of our children from when we met them to when we adopted them took two and a half years. Yeah. Both of them. We've gone through failed foster placements. Mm -hmm. um, A million foster phone calls of like what to do. Oh, I do not miss that at all. Yeah. You come to my work and like, right. So now I guess this is, this is where we get to the feelings part of it is now that we sit here and we look back on that, really the start of this whole thing was about 10 years ago. Yeah. When you look back on it, here's my question to you, Jesse. What's your biggest, this is an impossible question. But I think, think about I know it. actually. What's your biggest takeaway when you, when you look back at all that? What's your biggest takeaway? You know, when you're in high school, remember that season? Barely. Exactly. Yes, of course. High school, you have this weird mindset. It's probably because you're only thinking about the hour that you're in, but you have this weird mindset that this is your life. You're not yeah. thinking about yeah. you at 30. You're not thinking about you at 50. You're just in high school and you think, oh my gosh, everything is such a, like, it's just all consuming. And for me, I didn't think about past that. Like I yeah. thought this was my life season was high school. Yeah. And I think my biggest insight or takeaway, takeaway, it's good, better than advice is infertility is a season. Mm. Your fertility journey of growing your family and through whatever adoption, foster care, it is a season. And for me, multiple times I did the same thing I would do in high school is I thought this is never going to end. That's, that's crazy. Just stop on that for a second because it's so true. Even think if you're growing your family for, let's say, let's be dramatic, 25 years. Yeah. Let's say you're in this world for 25 years. <laughs> I hope no one's in this for 25 years. Right. Good years, God. But... Like run to therapy, but, run. But yeah. I mean, but it's, it's like, it is a long time. You it's can be like, in it. yeah, you can be in it for a very, very, very long time. It's still a season. Yeah. 25 years is still a season. If you live till you're 90, it's 25 years of your life. Yeah. So for me, when I was in it, I just never saw the other side. I never saw like thought past this season of my life. Yeah. It was just all consuming, even with adoptions. And I remember right after our first adoption fell through, I thought I'm never, this is never going to happen. Like this is going to go on forever. I'm never going to get what I want. And it's true. You may not get what you want. I wanted a lot of kids. I have two. I love them. And that's our capacity that we can handle. And it's great. But it's like, right, there is some things that you might not get what you want and you might end up being childless or whatever. But it's like, it is a season. So my question to you then is when you're sitting here really at the end of that season, what does it feel like to realize that it is just a season? So for me, now sitting on this other side or whatever you want to call it, I got to find a better word for that. (laughs) That feels like above people. I don't want to sound like I'm above anyone or something. It's like now just being on, like closing the chapter to growing our family. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to put it is I look back on times and seasons and I really lost myself. Mm. I was not taking care of my mental health. I was not taking care of my health. I was consumed. I was just almost dedicated myself to figuring it out and dedicated myself to be like, let's just make the pain go away. Let's just grow our family. And I just feel like this 10, these 10 last 10 years, I feel like I've been a little bit of like just neglecting 
myself yeah. and just being, and yes, it can be very overwhelming, but I think this is my biggest heart of now where I sit looking back. And then if someone's in it is don't lose yourself. Yeah. This is a season in 20 years. You will be here. Will it be with a baby? I don't know. Right. But you will be here. So for me, I, it's like, I'm even getting emotional because I feel like I'm even talking to myself <laughs> Yeah. of like, I lost myself. It, that sounds really dramatic. I was a full functioning human. I had a job. Right, right. I had, uh, you know, one child. Like I had friends. I had family. But it just was. This world is so tricky because it can just consume you. Yeah. And you just constantly put yourself on the back burner. Constantly, like, don't take breaks or don't check in with yourself or grieve. Like you can grieve. And also still continue to do things and also continue to do treatment and also continue to do these things. And so now sitting on this side of the room, I'm just like, that's my biggest takeaway Yeah, is don't forget about yourself. It is a season, even if it lasts for 25 years. Right. It is a season and you will still be here. Yeah. Damn it. Like I'm literally like talking to myself. Like I'm almost getting like fired up about myself. (laughs) And that's why... Literally, where the uniquely native process groups was birthed out of. Do yeah. I sound a little passionate? I feel like I'm. Am I sounding harsh? No, it's okay. good. It's passion and it's love and it's yeah. like I. Uh, the, but our groups were made out of that idea. Yeah. In in myself. Out is, of that passion. Out yeah. of that passion for me of like, wow, I really wish I would have had something to help me grieve when I'm in the middle of it, or remember that I'm still here, or remember yeah. that I have hobbies. Yeah. Jeez. or things that I like or things that I like to do. And so don't lose that. Run to that. If that's therapy or whatever it is, or just remembering that you like Marvel movies or whatever, it's like run to that kind of stuff just as much as running to wanting to grow your family. I almost get this picture of, it's kind of like an analogy, right? Is Here we go. Is that it's like a spaceship, right? That launches off on, you're trying to get to the this destination planet, right? Right. And as the spaceship is going, you're burning fuel. Right. And you're taking up all your resources. You're eating the food in the spaceship. You're, you know, using the oxygen. And at some level, you could say, are we going to burn up all of the fuel just getting there? That right. once we get there, you know, there'll be nothing left. There'll right. be no fuel left. There'll be no oxygen left, no food right. left. Really, it's like that you have to make that calculation that, well, there will be a time when we're not on this journey. There will be yeah. a time when like we officially like get to whatever is next. Yeah. I'm going to have to live wherever is next. Right. So I have to think about the the space that I'm in now right. and, and make healthy steps so that when I actually get there, there's like fuel food, oxygen, like I'm, I have to be able to live wherever we're going. And, and I, think, I think about that as a couple. Yes. Too. We, yeah. we as a couple have to live. And if you make it yeah. about infertility, right. I think there were times where we weren't thinking about that. We weren't even thinking about what's next. No. It was like beyond this, get this done right now. And that's the only thing that we're thinking about. And I get it right. It's stressful and yeah. it's overwhelming and you, it does take all of you. Right. We're telling you from where we're sitting right now, you get to a point where you're where you have gotten to where you're going. Even if it's with children. No idea where that is. It's gonna be different for every single person, but you will one day get to where you're going. And then we're telling you from because we're there right now, as an individual or as a couple, you're going to have to live there. 
Mm-hmm. And I think there's things that we can do now while we're in it to help prepare for when we get there. Absolutely. And I think why infertility is hard to do this is because of time. Age, time, all that stuff is you're racing because you don't want to get older or you don't want time, too much time to go faster. For you, you never wanted to be an old dad. Like it's like, I think that was a big motivation of why you just didn't stop. Yeah. But that's why I love our program so much is it's two hours a week for six weeks. Like, yes, there's videos that you watch and workbooks that you watch, but I hope that it would, it could be not something that is such a time commitment, like just to stop in the middle of your week and to think about this and to grieve and tell your story and share it. Cause it helps. It, Cause help. it does help. It, it helps you get the fuel you need. Yeah. Proven to help. Yeah. So, but I, I feel like that's, that's a tricky thing with time is it feels like, and for me, I felt, I think I felt like, Oh, I'll deal with that at the end. I'll yeah. deal with it at the end. Right. So Doug and all your wisdom <laughs> of your life, what is your biggest insight to someone now where you stand? Sit, stand, wherever you're doing. What's your biggest insight? I think my biggest insight, looking back, my takeaway from all of this, which it's weird to say like takeaway from all of this, like we're done with it. It almost feels weird to say that we're done with it. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. It does not weird feel weird for me at all. I'm it a makes much, me happy. I'm a much slower processor than you. Yeah, you are. But to say that, yeah, Doug, looking- we're stopping. We're stopping this. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. I think I'm just realizing that right now <laughs> on air. Yeah. No, it makes me happy. I get like peace. Yeah. No, I think I feel peace too. Yeah. I think just looking back, my biggest takeaway is that I had a certain vision for what my life was going to look like. And this is so wildly different than what my vision was. And that's okay. That's Mm. okay. And uh, it's taken me 10 years to go, oh, the visions that we create for ourselves when we're younger rarely come to fruition. They rare, it rarely happens that way that we get all these things that we think we were going to get or that events unfold the way that we think that they're going to unfold. It's such a wild card. It is a, a river that you've never gone down before. And I was fighting for so many years to fulfill the vision that I had created the path that I thought that we were going to be taking. I fought for that for so long. Now sitting here 10 years out, I go, why did I ever fight for any, you know, vision that I had? It's just a, it's uh, wild. Life is wild in that it, it is not pre, you know, a pre-walked path that you're just kind of following. Maybe in some ways it is, but if you're experiencing infertility, you're off the path. Like you're now charting your own territory. Yeah. And instead of fighting to get back to the path, I, I, I think my takeaway is I wish I would have had more confidence just to keep going whatever direction mm. that is, because we've ended up in this space that is really wonderful and beautiful and totally different than what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But I realized much of my pain and much of my heartache of the last 10 years was when I tried to recorrect to get back into this pathway that I thought we were going to be in. Um, I feel like I have a picture of what you actually mean. I mean, not that you didn't, you did a brilliant job, but it was like, I think I know what you mean. Like when you're pivoting and going to a new path, you're trying to push that path back to the original path. Right. It's like a compass. 
Yeah. It's like you're trying to get it to face north. Yeah. And it's not that I, I don't think like feel like I hear you saying that you ignore that path. You yeah. can grieve and there's grieving and you think about it and yeah. move on. Yeah. But I think you're right in the, in the having to move and into having to do, there's a, there's a discomfort almost. Yeah. And it's like, and there's not a lot of embracing that it's like, like for me, I was like, how unfair is it that we have to do IVF? It was very unfair. Yeah. But it's like, right. With a different mindset, it could be like, this is the path that we have to give it a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. I think I, I know what you mean. I get this picture of, you know, honestly, like being out in the desert or something like that and losing the path and all of my anxiety and stress was coming from, well, where is the path? How do we get back to the path? Yeah. How can we take this little excursion, end and, it, make a right turn and get back to the path? Cause then, cause that's what I thought it was going to be. Weren't we going to do this? Weren't we going to have this many kids? Wasn't I going to have this kind of job? Was, yeah. Weren't we going to live this certain way? You know, let's solve this and get back. And then it really took years, this many years to go, oh, I don't think we're ever going to go back to that path. Yeah. This is the path that we're on. And I've learned to now celebrate it and embrace it. And we're just charging ahead. Right. And I think that's the unique challenge for everyone who struggles with infertility is we all end up in really interesting places. A lot of people end up with... Um, getting pregnant through treatments or, or whatever it is, but they're going to have to reconcile this season and this season will forever change them and make things right. different and make things interesting. Some people will, you know, you, there's a million different ways you could go. Um, but I think that's my biggest takeaway is that if, is, wow, I really fought to get back to what I thought was going to happen when I think I kind of wish I would have just charged ahead and said, it's going to be okay because this is where I'm going. Okay, Jesse, final question. As we're looking back on a decade, really, of struggling to grow our family, I guess we we always talk about this. Yeah. And, and I want to bring the question to us. We always say infertility impacts us for a long time. Yeah. You know, it's not, it, it is just a season of our life and we're here at the end of the season. Right. But the emotional, the emotional impacts and the, you know, impact on who we are as a person lasts for very long. Right. So even though it is a season, yes, that season has impacts all throughout our life. So my question for you is after 10 years, Jesse, how does infertility still affect you? I have two answers. Ooh, classic so, Jesse. Classic Jesse. I always have more to say. I'll never forget one time we did the podcast and you afterwards, when you turned it off, you went, <laughs> you have a lot of points. <laughs> I was like, I you got points. I got points. You're like, sometimes you just want to do like one point. No, <laughs> that's not my style. Number one. And I would say this comes up less often than number two, but number one is I have felt out of control with my process of growing my family a lot. Yeah. From fertility to adoption with foster care. And I would say, I actually wouldn't know necessarily this is a bad thing. It can be. But like when I have control, it's a big deal to me. Mm. So like birthday parties or getting our child's social security cards. Yeah. That was like a big deal to me because I feel like I was like winning the control back or something. Like I, so I feel like that is like not necessarily a bad thing, even though 
one, one child that we had, we had problems with social security card. Right. It was just, the guy was misinformed and I was in the parking lot on the phone with you bawling my eyes out. And I'm like, why am I bawling my eyes out? And it's like, because this is a big deal to me. It's a big deal to me. Getting our children's passports is a big deal to me. Like it's just, and I think that just comes from years and years and years of no control. Yeah. Feeling out or of like, control, yeah. yeah. Or birthday parties or graduate. Like, it's just all like, I feel like I finally have the control back you know, a little bit. Right. Right. And they're just big deals to me. So that's number one. And you feel like that's a direct cause from infertility. Yeah. I knew it when we were getting our social security card for one child and the guy was misinformed and he made me feel stupid for something. Mm. And I had a huge emotional reaction. I do remember that when you called me, it it felt like this feels really big. Yes. When Bigger like, than an, an annoying right. logistical problem. And he wasn't mean that. to me. Yeah. He just told me my paperwork is wrong. And I was like, my paperwork is not wrong. Yeah. You were like, this has to work. I was like, this is not wrong. <laughs> and then I had to go and call our lawyer and I was r- like running around the city and it just became this huge thing. Yeah. And I do. I was even surprised in myself. And I think that's because- it felt triggering? Yes. It felt triggering. And I think that's because I've never had any control. So just give me my control. My paperwork yeah. can't be wrong. Because this is my win. Right. This is when I get this. And it's like, oh, don't take that. Don't take that away from me. Yeah. So. It's huge. Yeah. And then number two, which is probably the more emotional one, which sounds very bizarre, but I, and still affecting me till to this day, Mm -hmm. is I hate plan B's. Mm. Wait, what do you mean by that? I have a reaction, very strong reaction to when plan A doesn't happen. Ah, uh, yes. So let me give you a few examples. My birthday. I want to go to this restaurant. Super excited about this restaurant. It's Mosa in Newport Beach. If you haven't gone there, run your ass there. It is so good. <laughs> Newport Beach, California. It was, if my birthday was on a Tuesday. You asked me what I wanted to do. I said, all I want to do is go to that restaurant. That's all I want to do. Yep. We call up. They randomly are closed on Tuesdays. They don't open on Tuesdays. Right. And I had like a... I can't do it. I, I don't want to do plan B. I don't want to do it. And if we go to Mosa in like a week or we go to this restaurant in like a week, I don't want to do it for my birthday. Yeah. Like it's like, there's something with like plan B's that just get me where it's like, I want plan A. That's weird. You can Did, see where this was is there going. A, was there ever a plan A in your <laughs> life that didn't end up working out? Well, you're beating me to my point. <laughs> and I think this is why 2020 was extremely difficult for me. Yeah. Was because 2020 and 2021 was the biggest plan B's and still to this day, it's not necessarily completely ideal plan A. It's like, it's, it's triggering. It's triggering for me. It's yeah. a bigger deal for me. And that those full two years felt like a huge plan B. Yeah. And then I think where I literally became like dead inside to this was we got COVID on Christmas day last year. Yeah. We tested positive for COVID. We tested positive for COVID on Christmas day. So I love my family. I love being with my friends. I love the holiday season. And I don't know if you remember, I'm sure you do. Oh, I do. (laughs) Every single day you looked at me and you were like, tomorrow we're going to rally. No, no. Oh, Every I'm so, day I'm sorry. you looked at me. I'm sorry. You're and right. You said, "Oh, don't Tomorrow, worry. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna rally. rally. Tomorrow, I I'm was gonna rally." So I, I, I was so upset that I was emotionless. Right. I wasn't crying. Yeah, you were just. Flat. I was dead inside. Flat. flat yeah. I was flat. I didn't see the joy in it anymore. I was like, which is so not me. It's so sad. So not me. But it's like I was flat. We, our, my family and our families were so sweet and wanted to like zoom, and I was like, didn't want to do it. Not because yeah. I didn't want to see them, but I was like, this is Plan B. 
This is not plan A. And every single night I would go to bed and be like, Doug, tomorrow I'm going to rally. Like, let's bake all day or do those things that you would do in quarantine that are (laughs) like fun. And I never rallied. Never. (laughs) Not once. Every morning I woke up and I was exactly the same. Like I, and also we were sick, but it was like, I could tomorrow, not rally tomorrow. I, that's the only thing I remember from that season is that, that, that Christmas season, I would tomorrow just, I'll rally tomorrow. tomorrow I'll rally. To, no, tomorrow I'm gonna rally. Tomorrow, tomorrow I'm gonna rally. <laughs> Let's do puzzles all day. Let's have a movie day. And every day I'd be like, no, <laughs> I knew I was in a low point when we played Monopoly. And then our child asked to play Monopoly again after playing the whole entire game. And I just went, sure. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And I was like, I think I went, Oh my gosh, I'm dead inside. Yeah. Like, okay, oh no. Okay, so tell me though, so, so, wh- where do you attach that to? Obviously, there's some serious implications with infertility. Right. But d- was there a moment where you felt like, wow, this really is because of my infertility? Yes. Was our anniversary this year. We're all great. Awesome. Whatever. Had this thing, great date planned. And someone in our home tested positive for COVID two days before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so dead inside. Yeah. So dead inside. And I think that is when it really started the curiosity. Why am I so dead inside? Because I remember you went, let's go in a week. And I was like, no. So not only did I not like plan Bs, I can't rally for the plan B. Yeah. So I just felt like that was, and I think that was like a big moment for me. I'm like, what is happening? Right. Because I'm very optimistic. I can roll with the punches. I'm adaptable. I can be like, let's do this, do that. Da, da. Yeah. So that was a big moment. I was here at the office. And I'll never forget it. I was eating my ramen, which I get every week. I was eating my ramen and I, I went, why is this so hard for me? Why are plan B's so hard for me? And I just had an aha moment of like, because I've had the biggest plan B happen to me in my life. I thought I was going to have biological children and I couldn't. That's it. It's as simple as that. Like the, and u- I, the ultimate plan B. The ultimate plan B. And not only the ultimate plan B, probably almost... Every single woman, worst nightmare. Yeah. Worst thing that could happen to them is and you can't was, have biological And the plan children. B was a nightmare. I mean, like it was so <laughs> it was difficult. A nightmare. Yeah, exactly. Every part of it yes. of figuring out what are we going to do after we figured out we couldn't have kids was really difficult. My rally energy was there. It's all used up. Your rally I'm an e- empty tank. <laughs> <laughs> your, rally, your rally energy is really just used up. You don't have it anymore. And I had to do a lot of times where I rallied where I didn't want to. Yeah. Where it was like, ah, I don't want to rally. And this is not talking about the children that we had. It's right, like right. the situations and the situation fi- around them. It out. Yeah. Yeah. And like the conversations and all that kind of stuff. It's like my rally juice is empty. I feel like it makes sense of where I sit in the room now. Yeah. That it will be, be something that I think I need to still go back and continue to grieve. Yeah. So Doug, in your brilliance, I don't even know if I know the answer of what you're going to say. How do you feel like this? How do you feel like... From where you sit now, infertility still affects you. That's a good question. I think infertility piqued my anxiety, which I still have. Um, so you do. <laughs> so it's definitely true that, like, I think uh, it made my anxiety worse. I know for myself that one area where I feel like infertility definitely still gets triggered, uh, and I have a, a bigger reaction to things is when I'm in limbo. I hate mm. being in limbo. Yeah. Which I'm, which I'm never... You've, you're, you've never really been great at that. I've never really been great with that. But, but when I'm in limbo, I think the worst possible things are going to yeah. happen. 
because buying your car this yeah, past month. because of infertility. Infertility really taught me to think like, well, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? The worst. The worst is going to happen. That's what's going to happen. I'm waiting to figure out these test results. Will they be good? Will they be bad? They'll be bad. They'll be the worst mm. they can be. Uh, will our life change for the good? Will our life change for the bad? It will change for the bad. Really, that is like the thing that got pounded into my head throughout that season. And the same thing true with, with uh, adoption was... You know, we're waiting to figure out if this is going to be good. Is it going to be bad? Is this exciting? Is this not exciting? I mean, pretty much every time, except <laughs> the two times it didn't happen. Right. It was bad. Right. So, And there were so many little things like that. So many little things like that. It wasn't like just that. always huge things. It was little things. Right. So now when, some, when I get put into a position like that, it's very easy for, you call it whatever you want, my body, my mind, for me to snap back into those habits of thinking the worst is going to happen. Um, and you know, that's, people talk about that all the time. Infertility taught me that the worst thing that's going to happen will happen. Yeah. And it's like, it's one thing when it's an Instagram post. It's another thing when <laughs> you're 10 years past and you literally actually do always go to the worst possible thing that's going to happen. It's no longer like catchy anymore. It's just like really a bummer. Yeah. And you have to work to overcome that. Right. I mean, little stupid things, right? We just bought a 1985 Vanagon, VW Vanagon, right? It's mm -hmm. awesome. So cool. Um, but the guy needed to take it to go get smogged because they have passed smog in California, which is very difficult. And, it, you know, in older cars, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes older cars don't pass smog. So that's a very important part of the buying process is, okay, you get it smogged. Once it passes smog, then I'll buy it from you. So he said, great, I'm going to go smog it in the morning. I went to like the darkest. I'm like, well, it's done. It's done. Not getting it. You know, just like this is. Uh, and I think you, I was anxious. I was like, it was edgy. You were texting him constantly. Texting with him no, con He didn't have any answer. <laughs> I was like, this is not like your friend. Like he, <laughs> did you get it smogged? It's like, it's 830 at night, honey. He didn't get it smogged. Right. He said he was going to get it in the morning. But, yeah. But totally from infertility. Just thinking. Yeah. I have, we, you know, it's a car, but I'm like, this car has to go past this test for me to buy it. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Yeah. When he said, oh yeah, it passed. I, I was like floored. I'm like, what? Yeah. Oh my God. I was like, oh, I was leaping for joy. One, because like, I got a van, but right. two. But two it, Do you feel like that a little bit robs your joy? Like even when you get it. It just makes me more anxious, which I, which then robs my joy. Yeah. And, and, and it just yeah. bums me out. I think it bums me out that like, oh my gosh, I've, my body has so right. been trained to think these things. Because more often when it comes not, to limbo, yeah, and it's, and more often than not, in our journey, it did go bad. Yep, it did go, it did fall through, it did not work. It all of that more often than not. Yeah. So funny that this literally just happened like a couple months ago. Like that just happened like a month ago. My big aha moment happened like a month ago. Like it's still like happening. And I think that's maybe what motivated us to make this yeah. episode is that we're sitting here at the end of our journey. We wanted to tell our story. It's even this crazy long journey that we've been on. Right. But we also wanted to show people that what two things, I guess we wanted to show that this season will end. If you're in the middle of this infertility season, it will, it will come to an end. You will, you will arrive at what's next. Yes. We have no idea what that is. We have no, no idea. idea when that is. There's no pressure to end it or to move to go to the next season and there's no right way to get to the next season. But it, but you will most likely find yourself at this point of going, that season is over. So remember that you're going to be there in that. You will exist at the end of this whole thing. And then two, 
that even years down the road, a decade down the road, it's okay if infertility still impacts you. Yeah. It's not um it's not the worst thing in the world. You can overcome that and work on those things. Yeah. You yeah, you got to pay attention to them for sure and have good rhythms for finding those things. Yeah. But yes, they'll find you. Infertility will still impact you. Right. And you can overcome that. You can overcome those things. And only you can check in with your feelings. Right. Only you. Only you can look about how you're doing. Only you can take a break and pause. Only you can, you know, make these decisions for yourself. Like I could say it to him blue in the face, but really it's your, it's your, it's your choice. Only you can really tap into how you feel. So thank you for caring about your feelings and listening to this entire episode. Yes. How many people do you think actually have made it this far into this episode? A lot? Everyone. Everyone? Okay. Not everyone. Not everyone. I don't know. I just want to say one last thing before we end is infertility sucks. Yep. It's also okay if your feelings are a lot. Yeah. It's also okay to tread through and be where your feet are Mm -hmm. and do breathing like deep breathing like that's all okay too that's all okay too like this is just our insights our thoughts being on this other side but also it's one thing to be in it yeah be in it but I think I say this in the softest way like sometimes there is times in the journey where you just need to be where your feet are and you need to like you know you're in it in it in it Um, just don't forget about you don't forget about you because you are important. Your feelings you, matter. Yes. Yes. And we're here for you. And we're back. We back, baby. See you next week for the Enneagram and Infertility Podcast. It better I not don't cancel. even it care. better not get canceled. I know. No one gets about it sick. Next week. Hopefully nobody gets sick. If this is in three episodes, someone got sick. Okay? <laughs> it's fine. Thank you for listening to the Infertility Feelings Podcast, a show produced by the nonprofit Uniquely Knitted. This is your place to process, cry, and laugh about infertility. We are so grateful to all of our wonderful donors who support this work. If you would like to learn more about how we serve the community and support the work of Uniquely Knitted, we encourage you to check us out at uniquelyknitted.org. If you enjoy this podcast and would like more people to hear it, please give us a rating and a comment in Apple Podcast. This is the best way for more people to hear these conversations. If you need to talk to someone about your feelings, please reach out to us. We are here to help you. If you would like to learn more about our unique process groups, please follow the link in our show notes. See you guys next week.